another in worship, amen? Such an honor. And actually, you know, <clears throat> Jesus is the center. He is all that matters. And so even though I have this, uh, this privilege of leading worship, you know, um, there may be a time when God calls me to do something, you know, maybe, maybe he'll raise up somebody else to lead and I'll just be doing this. Or, and we can't be so focused on the things that we do that we, we aren't willing to move to something else if God calls us to do something different, you know. Um, now, don't read too much into that. God hasn't moved me anywhere. I'm here, but I'm just telling you. Because he may, he may move you around. He may shift you in places. and had, Maybe he'll just tweak something that you're doing, you're already doing for him, and you can't allow that to be your focus. Your focus is on Jesus, always. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your will in the earth that drives all things, that works all things together. And we desire to, uh, to be caught up in your will. Uh, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So we put the flesh under, but Father, help us to be caught up in your will in the earth. I, wanna, I want, to, I want to, to play into your hands. I want the actions that I take and the thoughts that I think, the words that I say, I want them to play into your hands, Lord. Father, they, they have in movies and things, these stories these days, they, they, the, the villain says, ah, they're playing into my hands. But Lord, I, I want to play into your hands because you have only good things for us, Lord. And so as we open up the word, Lord, I ask that you would help us to commit these things to our heart. Open up our heart to understand, Lord God. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And open this up to us so that we understand what is your will in the earth. And in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and turn over to Jeremiah chapter 29. Hmm. You know, God's always doing a new work. He's always meeting the need, you know. Amen. That's what he was doing this morning in this place. And then everybody, every, everywhere else around here, as you make intercession, people get the overflow blessing of that, you know. Anyway, <clears throat> there once was a good king whose people would not pay attention to his goodness. He gave them good advice about how to live, but they ignored his advice throughout his entire reign. And even though he sent messengers out among them over and over again to warn them that the king would not put up with being ignored, they would not listen to the message. They wouldn't heed the warning. And these messengers begged the people to stop living how they wanted to live and start taking the advice of their good king. But they would not listen. So in anger... The king banished his people from his presence and sent them to a foreign land with the intention that they would learn their lesson and begin to listen to him. And at first the people were unapologetic. They gave themselves false hope by telling themselves that their king would come and get them after only a short time and bring them back. But the king sent them a message, letting them know clearly that their stay in that foreign land was to be a long one. And so now in that story, I just told God is the good king. 
the people are the Jews, and the messengers are God's prophets, and this did happen. For generations, the people disobeyed God's commands, and he sent prophets to warn them again and again. But they would not listen, and so eventually he allowed the king of Babylon to come to Jerusalem, siege it, and defeat them, and then carry away all the people to Babylon as captives. And many of you know this. But when the people arrived in Babylon as captives, they comforted themselves with, this, with a false hope that God was going to bring them out of captivity after only two years. All of their, they had false prophets that were prophesying that God was going to bring them back after two years. And they were comforting themselves with that. So in essence, they were deluding themselves by believing this lie. But here in Jeremiah 29, God sends them a message. And part of the, this message that we're about to read here is one that Christians love to quote without realizing really why God was sending the message in the first place. Not that they're looking at it wrong, but um, they love to quote this, a certain verse in here. And you'll, you'll, you'll recognize it probably as soon as we get there. But let's go ahead and start in verse 1 in Jeremiah 29. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. This happened after Jeconiah the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah, and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, uh, uh, and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, so here's the letter that God sent. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all, say all, all. all. To all, all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. He reminds them, I'm the one that sent you there. Okay. Now, again, keep in mind that this letter is being written to people who are comforting themselves with a false hope that God's going to bring them back after two years. Okay, he's, he, this is why he's writing this, sending them this letter. So they, they think, okay, he's going to come back and get us in two years. But he says here, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. Verse 7, And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. 
So what is happening is that they are, not, they, they are comforting themselves with this message from their prophets. In other words, they're using this message from their prophets to replace a genuine relationship with God. They're not really seeking God. They just want to hear the good news. All they want to hear is, we're going to go back in two years. We don't want to get comfortable here. We don't want to spend time here. But God, God tells them, take, take wives for yourselves and, and, and beget sons and daughters and then uh, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. He's telling them, get ready to even have grandchildren where you are. Seventy years you'll be here, is what God tells them. Build houses. In other words, set yourself up for a long stay. Plant gardens because you're going to need provision while you're there. You're going to need to feed your families. Take wives. Increase your numbers. Do not diminish. Be fruitful and multiply. Seek the peace of Babylon. In that place is peace, you'll have peace. And this is a nation that God had already previously said through his prophets, he's going to judge it. I'll destroy Babylon. He told them that. But he said, while you're there, you pray for its peace. You make intercession for these people. Then number five, don't let false prophets deceive you concerning a short stay. It's not going to happen. It'll be a long stay. And then he says, I have a plan for you and a future for you. And then after following all these instructions... He says, then I will listen to your prayers, and I'll answer them. And then I'll be found when you seek me, when you seek me with all your heart. Instead of trusting in a false prophecy, given false hope, or easy hope. Now, you may have already anticipated why I'm telling you this. We live in hard times here at this time. And many Christians are burying their heads and staying in this, in, they're staying inactive in the hope that Jesus will come soon. He's going to come get us soon, so all we've got to do is kind of hide out for a little while. But yeah, God told the people, you're going to be there for a while. Build houses. Plant food. Increase your numbers. Do the work I called you to do. Because despite how you and I are mistreated by this world, God's plans for you are good only and not evil. <laughs> plans to give you a hope and a future. And so, you know, what brought this on? Why am I bringing this up? A while back, I was getting ready to mow here at the church, and I thought, you know, if Jesus is coming back soon, what's the point of mowing this? I mean, seriously, I was sitting, sitting on the mower, and, I, and, I, and I'm asking myself this. Isn't there more important things I could be doing right now? And God quickly reminded me, it's not the assignment itself that matters. It's the diligence and commitment to being a good steward of the mission that Jesus has entrusted to us. And that includes the material things that are tied to it. Build houses. Plant gardens. God wanted them to change the way they were thinking into his way of thinking. They're thinking, we're in a temporary stay. We're just going to sit tight a little while. God's going to bring us back. So do nothing. Make no waves. Right? Make no waves. 
And I had to ask myself the question, am I avoiding the work out of an expectation that Jesus will come back soon and get me out of here? Because that's the same problem the Jewish exiles were having in Babylon. Turn with me to Zechariah 4. Forward. It's, for, it's forward from here in Jeremiah. How are you all doing today? Are you enjoying this wonderful news that I'm giving you right now? <laughs> and so this here in Zechariah 4, this is actually after the 70 years. God had sent his people back, and he had sent a remnant of them back to build the temple, to rebuild the temple because it had been torn down, burned and burnt, you know, take, taken down. And so uh, look first at... Uh, Zechariah 4 in verse 10. Now they had some hard time rebuilding the temple. There was a lot of opposition to lay the foundations to get it built. And, and so uh, God sends, sends the prophets to encourage the people in, in, their, in their building. Okay, Verse 10 says, For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoiced to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Well, first of all, the word despise, as I've told you before, does not mean to hate. It means to think little of or to think of as no worth. For who has thought little of the day of small things? Okay. But then now Zerubbabel. Well, who's Zerubbabel? He was the leader of the people who God sent back to the land of Babylon, from the land of Babylon years later. Zerubbabel was also a descendant of King David, which means he was in the line of Christ. If you, if you read... Matthew, and you read the line, of, the line of Christ right before it's talking about his birth, Zerubbabel is one of those names in there. He's one of the ancestors. And so he stands as a type of Christ for this, as a shadow. But it said, do not despise these small beginnings. That's the implication. Who has despised the day of small things? Don't do that. Don't despise the day of little things or small beginnings, as, as one translation said. So then, what has God given you that you're, not, you're, that you're not to despise? In this chapter, God reveals his plan for the church, actually. If you want to look at, back up at verse 1, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Classic. Now, this is a vision, so it's, some of it might sound kind of odd, but it's a vision that uh, the prophet Zechariah is seeing, and God explains some things, but it's a picture of the church. It's a picture of... Um, Israel at the time, but Israel and the church have this uh, parallel. I mean, you know, and so God and God had made a statement about uh, the the southern king of, uh, kingdom of Judah, the the kings that line of kings which which Zerubbabel is a part of, but which Jesus is also a part of. Which he said, "Forever, I will not fail to have a, a king on the throne of Judah, so that Judah can remain shining like a lamp." To the rest of the world as a witness. Remember we talked about being a light in the dark? So here in, in verse 1 in Zechariah 4 it says, And the angel who talked with me came again and awakened me like a man who was wakened out of his sleep and said to me, What do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with its bowl for oil on the top of it and its seven lamps on it. And there are seven pipes to each of the seven lamps which are upon the top of it and there are two olive trees by it one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side of it 
feeding it continuously with oil. So I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this addition of the bowl to the candlestick, causing it to yield a ceaseless supply of oil from the olive trees, is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. So this whole vision is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He needed some encouragement. God's going to give him some encouragement. Is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, of whom the oil is a symbol, says the Lord of hosts. I mean, have you heard that scripture? People love to quote that. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's here in Zechariah. Talking about this these olive trees and this, this oil, 